Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Just like that, the second hour is here. OutKick 360 on your radio dial and at OutKick.com. 6th and Peabody, our location, with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. With Paul Kuharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Chad Withrow back with us uh, hopefully tomorrow. John McClain with us each and every Tuesday at this time, and roster cutdown deadlines are happening as we speak. There is plenty to chat about with the general, the man in black, John McClain. He's a Hall of Fame NFL contributor. You can fo- follow him on uh, Twitter at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. John, good afternoon. Hope you're doing well. Guys, I'm doing well. It's amazing to me how many people have such hand wringing over these cuts when. Every team's going to have 16 coming back on a practice squad, most of theirs. They'll keep a spot or two open for players from other teams. Uh, Like here in Houston, everybody's on the edge of their seats for guys like defensive tackle Ross Blacklock and guard Max Sharping, both former second-round picks we knew were going to be gone, and they are. And uh, everybody's got some surprises, but just remember – they can sign them to the practice squad the next day if indeed they want to, or those teams don't get better offers. John, I'd like to start. I'd like to start with uh, this line of thinking, and then I want to get to uh, some trades and some other things. But speaking of trades, so you mentioned the sixteen-man practice squad. I'm I'm surprised more teams don't go out and eat. we'll we'll see some waiver claims. But this, like right before the deadline yesterday, we're seeing a five, six, seven, eight trades. Teams trading conditional picks in order to get a player that otherwise would be released anyway. We're not seeing as many teams go out outside of their nucleus, outside of their building when it comes to practice squads. Why is that? Well, they've had them there all along since the start of the offseason program. They know the systems. They know the coaches. The position coaches know them. The coordinators know them. Just like anytime you bring somebody in, he's got to learn what you're doing. Some positions are easier than others, like running back. Running back's not real complicated. Cornerback, not real complicated unless you make a guy think too much. Defensive line, just charge up the field. But some of those positions, like in the offensive line, quarterback, wide receiver, they make them do a lot mentally, linebackers, so it's more difficult. And I think You know, you love the one you're with, and that's the guy you had all along and a lot of young guys. And when they changed the rules a few years ago that there weren't restrictions on the practice squad, I don't think there are anymore, that made a huge difference. And the play has gone up for those guys now. They don't have to come back to you. You know, if you're claiming no waivers, that's one thing. But if you clear waivers and say the Titans – want you and you don't want to be there and the Packers want you, you can go to the Packers and you can sign guys off the practice squad at any time when the season begins. But when you do, they got to be on your regular roster. So most practice squads are young 
with those first or second year guys or undrafted free agents. And then, um, and then they'll have a few veterans that they liked that other teams passed up. You mentioned Ross, Ross Blacklock there, uh, second rounder just a couple of years ago, traded to Minnesota. We hadn't heard what the return was, and we were curious about him slipping in the eyes of the Texans. First of all, Ross Blacklock was used with a second-round pick from Arizona uh, for receiver DeAndre Hopkins. The other two parts of that were David Johnson, a running back who was cut. He was terrible. And Blacklock was rated as a second-round pick. He's a local guy from TCU. There's a lot of fanfare when he was drafted here. People thought he's going to be really good in the defensive line. He started three games in two years in this training camp. He got beat out by a guy we call Big Heine, Kurt Heinish, undrafted rookie from Notre Dame, who has been a beast since the start of training camp throughout the preseason. We knew he was staying. We knew Blacklock was going. And the trade that they made with Minnesota is they give Minnesota Blacklock and a seven for a six. And Blacklock was going to be cut, so they get a six-round pick, which isn't bad considering he's going to be cut. And they got a lower pick in that deal that they have maneuvered quite a bit, but they ended up with uh, wide receiver Nico Collins, who's a starter opposite Brandon Cooks in his second year. So I think he's the last part of the Hopkins trade that Bill O'Brien made that is the worst in Texans history. It's not the worst in Houston pro football history. That was when the Oilers traded their safety, Kenny Houston, to Washington for a bunch of tomato cans. And Houston was a first ballot pro football Hall of Fame inductee. That was the worst in Oilers slash Titans history and a great man too kenny houston great man just like john mcclain john uh they they let go marlon mack damian pierce was all i mean he's been the talk of camp but now to me not only is he the number one running back he's he's the lead he's the lead back he is the bell cow of this offense am i wrong in thinking that no he started one game at florida last year all my friends who are Gator fans and watch them religiously just didn't understand why that coaching staff would not give him more touches. But the Texans are glad they didn't. They got him in the fourth round. He's been a huge hit since the first time we saw him on the practice field. On Monday, Coach Levy Smith was asked, is he the starter? And he talked about how good he was. But is he the starter? Well, he's a, well so are Derek Stingley and Jalen Petrie, and you said they were starters. The fact is, Damian Pierce is the starter, without a doubt. And I don't care who else they got on the roster. Coaches don't put players on the field that aren't the best 11. So when they open against the Colts, Damian Pierce, who's their best running back since Arian Foster was having his best season, he will be the starter. Marlon Mack averaged 5.5 yards of carry in the last preseason victory over the 49ers and 49ers are playing a lot of their starters. He looked quicker than he'd looked and uh, they cut him. Now, right, they're backups right now, and I think this will change. Rex Burkhead, Daria Goombawale, and Royce Freeman. In other words, Nick Casario, the GM, has his eye on somebody. And I'm wondering if it's Sonny Michelle, who he drafted with Bill Belichick in the first round with uh, New England, and who was cut today by Miami. What do you make of the windy road Jimmy Garoppolo has traveled to uh, to wind up a $6.5 million backup? 
Paul, that boy, that's a good way to put it. Winding road. He hadn't practiced with him. Um, not that he needs it. He's a smart guy, knows Kyle Shanahan's system. But it tells me they're not real happy with Trey Lance. Lance played against the Texans. Texans shut him out. He did not look good. Now, at the end of last season, next to last game, Texans played out there. They trailed by touchdown in the fourth quarter, and then they got beat by, I think, 12 or 14. And he looked okay. But if they thought he was ready to go and he was the guy, then they wouldn't assign Jimmy Garoppolo to this new deal. It's a great deal for Garoppolo. He gets six and a half million. He wasn't going to get that anywhere if he'd have been cut. He might have got the minimum somewhere for a team that had a quarterback who was injured, as it is. He can stay in the system. He knows coaches, players, he knows. He gets no trade clause on a one-year rework deal. He's got some incentives, and he also can't be tagged, so he's going to be unrestricted in March. And if Trey Lance gets hurt or if he's not as good as Kyle Shanahan thinks he should be, Jimmy G's going to play and have a chance to make some money. And it's very strange because you guys know, and this is the way it was when Steve McNair was a rookie with the Oilers in 1995. Uh, everybody wanted to see Steve McNair, the third overall pick. They had a veteran, Chris Chandler, known as Christine Chandler, because he's always hurt. <laughs> and every time he didn't do something right, the fans and the media just clamored for McNair. And that's the way it's going to be there, except it's going to be clamoring for Jimmy G. First time Trey Lance throws a pick six or has a bad game, then Kyle Shanahan's going to get bombarded. Well, when are you going to play Garoppolo? It's a season-long issue for them, but I think he's a good insurance policy. See, John, I I, I completely understand what you're saying. And they will end up working in their favor at some point. But if if they're not happy with Trey Lance, why is Trey Lance not playing more in the preseason? Why is he not getting more snaps with Shanahan's offense instead of sitting the bench for two games of the three? Well, he he played a lot in his last game. He played with the starters. He didn't look good. So I have no clue why they did that without Jimmy Garoppolo as well. So who knows what they're thinking. They got to the championship game last year. Garoppolo's got on his resume. He's been to two championship games and one Super Bowl. But there wasn't a big market for him out there. If there had been, they would have traded him. Are the 49ers good enough roster-wise? They've certainly got talent around him. Paul and I were looking at their offensive line earlier. They've got talent at tackle. I'm not sure about the interior. Defensively, they have some star power too. Are they good enough to be in the mix with Trey Lance taking the lumps that every young quarterback is going to take? Well, good enough for what, Jonathan? Does that they, mean make uh, the playoffs, yeah, I mean, win I the division? I don't think they're winning the division over the Rams. I think the Rams are right back where they were. Point being, are they in the postseason just like they were last year with Jimmy G? Yeah, I think they're good enough to compete for a wild card berth because they've added a wild card team. It's a good division, and uh, they've got talent on both sides of the ball. They got a running game, receivers, tight ends, defensive linemen, linebackers. Not sure how good their secondary is, but they're definitely good enough to finish second behind the Rams. And if you finish second, you're in the playoffs. Do I think they're capable of going to Super Bowl? with him or even the championship game. No, not right now. Not based on what we've seen with Trey Lance. Is the divide between the AFC and the NFC, John, as big as I imagine it? I'm trying to pick uh, NFC playoff teams yesterday, and I had a lot of trouble. Uh, I mean, division winners, you've got to have them. But but picking wildcard teams was very difficult for me. Leaving wildcard teams out in the AFC was very difficult for me. 
I think that's across the board, Paul. I think every NFL expert, people follow this league, would say the same thing. The AFC is superior. There's going to be a lot of complaining among fans and media at the end of the year when better AFC teams don't make it and worse – I mean, AFC teams don't make it and worse NFC teams do. Did I say that right? Good teams in AFC are going to get left out. Bad teams in NFC are going to get in, and the disparity at quarterback is pretty amazing. And it's something that four teams – from the AFC West made it. I don't think they will. I think three will. One team will probably be left out and could have a winning record. But, man, you're right on with that. I can't wait for the AFC playoffs, And I mean, for the regular season and the playoffs because I can't remember a time, and I'm sure there was in there where one conference was so superior to the other one. Who are you leaving out of the AFC West? I, I boy, I think Russell Wilson's going to play really well at Denver and be an MVP candidate. So if I had to pick one, I'd pick the Raiders. They keep cutting first-round picks. It's amazing. People want to blame their bad picks on Mike Mayock. He didn't make those picks. John Gruden made those picks. John Gruden had power of personnel, and every first-round pick they made, he was the boss. So he should be getting the criticism, not Mike Mayock. And I know Raider fans, I do a weekly show in Las Vegas, and they're pumped. But if I had to pick one of the four, I'd pick them. I'd love to see them all get in there because of the uh, competitiveness. That that division is going to be so much fun to watch. Like in AFC South, the only thing that's going to be fun to watch are the Titans and the Colts and when they play each other because they're clearly the best teams. Your comment on the Raiders, just ask, uh, just ask Rob Gronkowski and Dana White who had power of – of that roster. They'll tell you it was uh, John Gruden uh, with the story about Brady. What, what did you make of Brady's first comment since he's been back after getting, what, eight? I don't know if it was eight snaps. It was more than that. Maybe it was 12 snaps. He threw eight passes on the opening drive, drove down, got a field goal, and that was his preseason performance for 2022. I don't think he needed to play. I don't think he needed to practice. But what was funny to me is when he said, hey, I'm, when you're 45, there's a lot of bleep going on. And I'm thinking, wait till you get to be 70. There's a whole lot more bleep going on, especially when your wife doesn't make any million a year and you're not pulling down uh, no telling what, especially with your new TV contract kicking in. You know, he never did deny he was the mass singer because if indeed that report was true, the idea is to keep it quiet, lie about it. They don't want it out. And I think that is the – that that – thing last week or the week before that he was doing that i'm gonna not watch the mass singer but for the first time i'm gonna want to know who it is he made it sound like it wasn't the mass singer though based on his answer but i mean what's he supposed to do well now he's supposed to what he needs to do is go cash in on everyone talking about him wanting to be in the mass singer and actually do it a year from now and it would surprise everyone yeah i don't if uh if he's going to surprise people, this would be the time to do it because nobody believes it was true. But that report by a woman on the internet even had the song he was doing involved. Cost <laughs> something with seven rings, and maybe I'm an idiot and I bought I in, but it, it sure sounded interesting. Well, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, when you look at the film, like the when they're actually filming the show, it taping the on show, that Saturday. yeah, and he's back on that Monday. Like it, the timing of it is what makes it perfect 
for the scenario to play out. But at the podium, like the way he answered the question, it doesn't like he's a smart guy. Like he he doesn't look like a guy that was off doing the mass singer, at least to me. Now, well, does Rudy Giuliani look like somebody <laughs> that would be doing the mass singer? Now, Gronk, yes. Antonio Brown, maybe, but but Brady, I mean, what is what does a guy look like? We don't know if he can sing or not. His former teammates may have heard him singing in the shower every year. The first time running back Rex Burkhead is available here to the media, we're going to ask him if he John, has heard Tom Brady sing. What does Brady not do well? And you're asking if Brady can sing. Of course he can sing. The man does everything. I mean, it, it, it's it's cranked up to 10 or 11 on anything he does publicly. I think John should Eat. be the mass singer. <laughs> Eat. Eat. <You're> right. <laughs> That's not what he does well, all that crap he puts in his body. But, hey, he's 45. He's probably going to have another great yeah. season. Although losing all those interior linemen, it's not like he's 21 and blessed with quickness and speed of Kyler Murray. So maybe there'll be a big push up the middle. But I think whatever Brady does – He's going to be great at it, and I don't think he's the kind of guy we're ever going to see get fat after his career's over. Plenty of headlines to hit with John McClain when we come back, including we'll talk about uh, the, the uh, issues in Buffalo at punter, uh, and we'll, we'll dive in there with, with Matt Ariza and that saga from the end of last week. We will also uh, go through some more roster cuts and get his take on a couple of teams, and we'll circle back to our opening discussion of – a team or two that maybe the perception has changed a bit over the last four or five weeks from John's point of view. We'll compare it to to what we came up with earlier in the show. John McClain with us. You can join us on Twitter with your discussion at Outkick360. You can follow him at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. Back with more next on Outkick360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. John McClain with us. I'll kick 360 rolls on. I've talked. I've got John here in front of me on screen. I've got Paul to my right. Uh, two men who I'm sure at one point in their lives, their professional lives, today was a grind. You're trying to figure out who's on, who's out. But I don't get the sense you guys stress over this too much anymore due to social media. Well, I'd like the Titans to put out the damn list. <laughs> Beyond the list, there, there was a day where you were, you know, you're on the phone oh, with yeah. agents trying to figure out what was going on. John, uh, when's the last time you actually worried about breaking news on who is making a roster? Last year, my last year with the Chronicle, back uh, a long time ago, you could go over to the facility, you could hang out and watch the players come out with their bags packed. And you can interview them in the hallway. Now, if you try to get close to them, they'll taser you, if not shoot you. 
And you could call them on the phone. You could reach out to players who've been cut. Now with the practice squad, they don't know what's coming or going. Most of the Texans players I see cut are going to be back on the practice squad. And a lot of people haven't figured that out. Now that I'm working for the Chronicle, I don't have to worry about it. And uh, this time next week, I should be able to tell you guys about two new writing jobs that will be announced that I'm doing. But um, it's as a columnist, and I don't have to worry about the minutia anymore. But one of the things that gets me, and I've been paying close attention to this, who has something first? How many people steal it and try to act like they did? So when it's Texan stuff, I'm making sure I give credit to Tom Pelissero or Adam Schefter because other people are acting like they got it. The Titans are so into fan relations now, John, that they the one place fans could actually uh, engage with players harmlessly was at near the parking lot where where the, f- the players come into the stadium, and they've now put up barricades and screens to take away a moment where a kid could conceivably get an art- autograph over the fence there with his mom or dad before the game. They've taken that away. But what I notice is when the barricade is set up to prevent a kid and his dad from getting anywhere close to the guy in the parking lot, six cameras from the team's social media are tracking the guy coming out of his car for a special Titans social media post. So I'm so out on that BS. It's it's ridiculous. But the, the fact that they want to pretend that they're fan friendly is just BS. I'll tell you, it's something you should worry about more. And I tweeted a lot about this yesterday. Every cheap shot I could come up with, I tweeted about it. And I was amazed at how many impressions and engagements it got. Uh, the University of Texas is not going to put out a football depth chart. I had that on my list not to just ask you about. For this game and then for the season. And that is what made it's not the dumbest thing I've ever seen them having a coach with a former stripper wife and a pole dancing monkey last year. That was number one. <laughs> and I'm thinking we had on the radio today. Okay. We're Steve Sarkeesian. Let's see. What can we do to keep from getting beat by Kansas this year? Hmm. So, oh yeah. What if we don't put out a depth chart that might help us beat the Jayhawks and avoid another losing record and avoid a six game losing streak. And I'm thinking, guys, just coach better, do a better job of coaching. And I'm guessing this is going to be changed because I talked to some former Longhorn, all Americas who are really good in NFL, make a lot of money and give a lot of money. And they're what, what that's preposterous. That's they were flabbergasted and you don't think other schools will use that against them in recruiting. And of course they will. Fans, media, and players love depth charts. Baylor put one out yesterday morning. If they didn't want you to know who's starting, who are the backup, they'd say Paul Kaworski or Jonathan Hutton. And if they did, they'd say Chad Withrow. But that's too difficult for the Longhorns to comprehend. John, I once had a high school coach give me his his depth chart from two years prior. And I went – How many graduates on that? I mean – I mean the 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 seniors on the team I was calling would have been sophomores on this roster that he gave me, and it was myself and uh, the late Mark Howard. We were calling this game, and we knew immediately we had been had because this guy did not want anything to do with us. He's the visiting team, and we're trying to do right by these kids. You know, this is 12, 15 years ago, and yeah, sure enough, we 
we were getting social media was just around. They were like, "Hey, this you're calling a you're calling the name of a number of a kid who's playing at Austin P or something, right?" Like it's a, that's, that's Bush League yeah. high school stuff. Yeah. But we're talking about soon oh, to be SEC hey, football, but and John, I'll guarantee you, Nick Saban's putting one out before they come to Austin and beat the hell out of the Longhorns September 10th. But Texas will put out a depth chart. It will be around 701.25. I'll even give you the exact second on the – it'll be around that time, Saturday night, right after the opening kickoff, whenever they take the field. Offense or defense depth chart's going to be on the field against Louisiana Monroe. We're going to know who's going to be starting for the Longhorns Saturday night. The biggest reaction I got on Twitter was when I said, at least the next coach, Gary Patterson, will put out a depth chart because he's <laughs> on the staff. And the AD there, Chris Del Carney, was AD at TCU when Patterson was doing a great job. So Sarkeesian, you know, you're pretty stupid when you you got a six-game losing streak. You've had your worst season since the 50s, and you do something that antagonizes Everybody. John, has your perception changed on any team or teams based on how the preseason storylines have played out? After you said that, I wrote down several. Number one, New England. The Patriots have struggled on offense with Matt Patricia, Joe Judge calling plays. Mac Jones is not playing as well. Now watch them win their first 10. But I think Miami is going to finish ahead of the Patriots. And another one, all these constant worry about Tampa Bay's interior offensive line, as well as Brady's inactivity and counting on Julio Jones, who nobody's been able to count on in a long time, as you guys well know. I think they'll win the division, but I don't see them as good as the Packers or the Rams going to the Super Bowl. And I'm up just about putting Philadelphia over Dallas to win the NFC East. And in the AFC, the one that, to me, that I've changed on the Steelers. I thought the Steelers would finish last. Mitchell Trubisky, uh, Kenny Pickett, both of them played really well in preseason. Mike Tomlin said, I'm not ready to name a starter. I'm guessing it'll be Trubisky because he's a veteran. But we know it's only a matter of time before first-round pick Kenny Pickett is the starters. But the Steelers quarterbacks looked really good. How much is the Philly-Dallas thing, John, about lack of faith in Dallas? How much is it about faith in Philly? People are not fired up about Mike McCarthy, of course, won a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, had that boneheaded coaching in the playoffs last year. Dak Prescott's clearly the best quarterback in NFC East. They've lost their left tackle. They let their right tackle go, Lyle Collins. Cincinnati, so they're going to have two new tackles without any legitimate starters on the roster, and if they can continue to go with Zeke Elliott at the running back and put all their marbles in his basket, they're going to have trouble running the football because Tony Pollard, a veteran backup, is quicker uh, and breaks more runs than Elliott, while Philadelphia continues to make moves that you go, hmm, that's a good move. So much depends on Jalen Hurts in his third year, but they had the league's best running game, and that's the way you win if you have a quarterback's not playing great. So I think I'm going to pick the Eagles over the Cowboys, partially because I'm down on the Cowboys, but also I'm uplifted by things the Eagles have done. You touched on all the teams that we threw out. I just threw out a, a wild card one that you know I think they would be uh, happy with a wild card spot is Arizona. But for more positive than negative, um, because I was down on them going into the camp, 
We saw them in joint practice work here, saw them in preseason. They are deeper than what I thought they were top to bottom. I think their one through 53 in, in total is pretty good, especially with how their offense is built at wide receiver. They've, they've got two or three guys they're going to cut today or have cut today that teams would be glad to add as a third or fourth option, and they're going to treat them like a seventh or eighth spot um, today. So uh, defensively, very fast. I don't know how deep they are at certain positions, but very quick on their starting 11. I came away liking Arizona more despite their offseason drama at quarterback. Well, here's what I think about the Cardinals. Started great last year, went down the toilet. And they went down the toilet when DeAndre Hopkins went out, and he still had Christian Kirk. Kirk's gone to Jacksonville. Hopkins suspended for the first six games. I saw these lists of Kyler Murray's statistics and their total on yards with Hopkins and without. And Hopkins is going to miss the first six games because he's suspended. So I expect them to get off to a slow start, but maybe they will finish fast and you'll be right. But I don't think they – there's a discrepancy between the Rams and the 49ers, and then I think there's one between the 49ers and the Cardinals. And the truth is I like Cliff Kingsbury personally. Personally, I've known him a while, but he hadn't done anything to show people – that he's a really good coach. And every team he's had going back to Texas Tech has faded down the stretch. One more for you. And I'm, I'm not trying to put this into like the surprise shock team of the year. I feel a game or two better about Jacksonville based on how things have gone. I like, I like the way Trevor Lawrence played this preseason. Some of the pieces there. I don't know why they traded LaVishka Chenault, although maybe – Everyone there understands completely what's going on. Um, and, and their defense should have plenty of pieces based on how they've drafted John. I I don't think they're bottom of the barrel. They're not going three years in a row with the number one overall pick. Maybe they're top 10, but I'd say their picks five through 10, which is a vast improvement over what we've seen the last two years. Jonathan, I remember last year before the season, Jaguars opened in Houston as six-and-a-half-point favorites when Texans supposed to be the worst team in the league. And I remember watching on ESPN a veteran NFL player I respect the heck out of was talking about the Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence and, and hitting a home run with Urban Meyer. They're going to be better than everybody expected. <laughs> and he said, keep an eye on the Jaguars in the AFC South. Well, if you were looking down, then you could keep an eye on them. And I've watched the Texans beat them eight times in a row. And until they actually beat the Texans, I'm not picking them to be ahead of the Texans. Last year, they were favored by six and a half and five, and the Texans beat the hell out of them both times. And it wasn't all because of Urban Meyer. Do you think, generally speaking, uh, and I know the Raiders are kind of spearheading this, so so we need to keep them as an outlier. But we talked about the you know a, a Texans pick. Do you think the patience is less for draft picks than it ever has been in terms of uh, flipping the switch and and moving on? My God, what the Raiders have done is unbelievable. They're cutting number one pick from last year. They cut Alex Leatherwood, an offensive tackle who might be a guard. It's just amazing. But those guys were bad picks, except for Josh Jacobs. And they made good lower picks. Gruden did. But, uh, boy, there's a lot of money tied up into them. There's always impatience with quarterbacks. And that's why the Texans gave Nick Casario a six-year, $30 million contract. 
they knew it was going to be a massive rebuild, tear it down to the studs and start over. And they've been really patient with players. But new GMs come in, new coaches, they want their guys. They don't care if they had players picked in the second round, first round, or what. If they're not getting with the program, they're getting gone. And I think that's what we're seeing in a lot of places. As soon as the Raiders brought in a new coach and a new general manager, you knew there were going to be sweeping changes, even though they went to the playoffs. John McClain with us on Outkick 360. John, uh, Matt Ariza, the punt god, has been punted out of Buffalo based on the reports and the, the court filings from last week that surfaced uh, about an alleged gang rape that took place on Halloween at a Halloween party last year at San Diego State. I don't know how. Let, let, I, I just will start here. I don't know how we're just finding out about this for a punter that was drafted back in April slash early May. It, it In this day and age, it's very difficult to, to keep police uh, documents, to keep um, filings out of the public light. You can, you can keep the details quiet, but the actual event is difficult to keep quiet. And the fact that Buffalo didn't know about this, uh, Matt Ariza apparently was not aware that there was an internal investigation going on back on campus whenever he left for the draft. I don't, it's all hard for me to believe. Um, and then the way that Buffalo reacted with the initial statement followed by, I thought was a very contrite reaction from the general manager and head coach after their final preseason game. Your overall thoughts of this and, and how things came, came to be with this whole story last weekend. Why is easy? They were on their way to a 10-2 season, and he was the punt guy. And one of those other guys, well, she said there were four. She did couldn't identify one, identified the other two. She went to get a rape kit immediately. She was bleeding. They tore out her piercings. And uh, her dad called the police, and there was an anonymous tip line at San Diego State in which students called in and told them about it, and everybody passed the buck. There's the campus police said that the San Diego Police Department asked them to stay out of it. They would handle it. They hadn't done squat till the civil suit was filed. The Los Angeles Times broke the story. Of course, the Ravens knew about it. They got their punter bills, when bills. they knew about it. Bills, I'm sorry, bills, yes. Of course, the bills knew about it. They got their regular punter. They knew about it. And they're acting heroic because they cut him. The fact is, they knew about it, and they did it anyway. In this day and age, teams know everything about their draft choices. And one of the things that's being left unsaid, and this is also by his family that is chastising the media and losing in the court of public opinion, is he was having sex with an underage kid. That's against the law. And so I don't know how it'll play out. His attorney said, Ariza's attorney tried to offer money in a settlement. She wasn't after a settlement, but... If this is settled and he'll get another job, if it goes to court or they don't press charges and it doesn't go to civil court, he'll get another job because he's a punter. Now, what if he'd been a quarterback? What if he'd been a running back? Well, he would have gotten a Deshaun Watson treatment. Yeah. And, and the only difference being that because this happened prior to him being drafted, the NFL has no jurisdiction over any discipline here, which is why it was the Bills needing to act and not just passing the buck, as you're referencing what's going on out West, passing the buck off to, well, we'll wait on 
Roger to make a decision, and then we'll figure out how to move forward. Two punters went ahead of him. Jordan Stout from Penn State to the Ravens. Jake Camarda of Georgia to the Bucks, 130 and 133. You figure those two teams knew what was up? Of course they did, and so did the others, because he was clearly the best punting prospect. And so I'll guarantee the Bills knew. They just knew there had been no charges. And one of the things, when they said they did their thorough investigation, they didn't call the girl. They didn't call his daddy. They didn't call anybody from that side of the uh, tragedy. See, this is, a, this is a deeper topic, but do you guys look at it like, where's the media in this? What's the media's role in this? This is a year ago. And we're, we're now pointing fingers saying, oh, two other teams knew about it. Buffalo knew about it. They drafted him anyway. They were going to play him unless the media found out about it, had something leaked to them. I don't know how you bury this story when it, if everyone's calling the police on a tip line and how she immediately goes to police the next. I don't know how this is swept under a rug to the point where no one knew about a draft pick, a punter it, headed to the league, the punt god, how it doesn't surface until after all of a sudden nationally is is a, a bit steep here but a lot of people in the football world's talking about it well it's disappointing that it wasn't discovered by the media but there's less and less media covering cops in places all over the country and well, so well you, but there's the, every news station is on i mean you're listening to you're, you're seeing the police reports every television station that is worth anything has someone sitting at a news desk assigning someone a story based on what the police are talking about. But those those I, people, I would say, are less and less good at that job. Younger, less experienced, and generally not as good. And if you're the Buffalo Bills or whatever organization counting on the news media to do your well, work not, on a prospect... It's not counting the... It's not, not even that. It's just um, if, uh, if someone in Hollywood gets you know arrested for jaywalking, TMZ is going to have the video of it. They're going to be talking to somebody. And it, I'm not I'm not raping on sports media here. This is beyond that. This would be leading the the news, not the sports coverage of the news. This is the top story of the night with the punter. That's you know the the award winning guy at the local college. John, I don't know where you come down on it. I just think like, how does this stay quiet for so long? No clue. But as someone who went through multiple rapes and assault charges in the Baylor scandal, who kept up with it every step of the way, I think it's preposterous that you're supposed to, to this is supposed to be handled under Title IX and you're supposed to go to campus police. If somebody yeah. rapes you, you go to the police department. You don't want to be worried about campus police. They're going to talk to coaches and ADs, and they're going, well, let's, let's wait and see here. You need to go. Any woman should go straight to the police department and file a complaint and let them investigate. And any media doing their job is like you see that they're going to look all the time for those complaints, and you hope that it finds it. But it is amazing the way that's happened. John, uh, the Cowboys, just to circle back and, and try to end on some football discussion briefly, They've cut both of their backup quarterbacks. Is that correct? So they don't have Cooper Rush or Will Greer. It's just for the time being, Dak Prescott. Um, what's the line of thinking there? I know what you said to open the show. Hey, it's 16 practice squad guys. Guys circle back on for new salaries. What do you think the Cowboys are up to there? 
Well, one of those guys is going to end up on the practice squad and they're looking for a veteran. And I'm guessing they had their eye on somebody, but that guy's got to come in and get a crash course on the Cowboys system. Because what if Dak Prescott is injured on the first play of the game when they open regular season? So you don't see teams very often getting rid of their quarterbacks and having to bring in a totally new backup unless it's because of an injury. But the way the Cowboys are run these days, it doesn't surprise people. And I hope for the Cowboy fans' sake, this time next year, they've hired Sean Payton, who's one of the best ever. Yeah, and I immediately am trying to connect dots. So we had the report yesterday that multiple teams were calling about Mason Rudolph, who has also played well in the preseason in Pittsburgh. I wonder if Dallas is one of them because, again – they're looking for a backup. Um, one of many teams that could use an upgraded backup. No backup for John McClain. He's with us each and every Tuesday. Uh, John, is there uh, one surprise that came out of today with any cuts that really surprised you on anything? Or was it run to the mill? Just got a scoop here. It says breaking. Roger Staubach is withdrawn <laughs> from consideration. Even though it was rumored for two weeks about Alex Leatherwood, from the Raiders, I yeah. thought still they could trade him. I mean, no way they're going to cut a first-round pick last year. Somebody will give them something, and nobody did, which means teams watching him on tape are not impressed. Now, he'll end up on another team, but my goodness, that was stunning to me. An offensive tackle and a first-round pick with no issues off the field that we know of. Yeah, and uh, they want to give him six-round money instead of first-round money, apparently. That's the issue. John, uh, thank you Zero as always. Zero-round money. Zero-round money, that's right. John, thank you. Thanks. Hey, Paul and Jonathan, thank you guys very much. Give my best to Chadillac. I will. Sure will. We certainly will, and we look forward to your announcement next week. John McClain with us each and every Tuesday for uh, the show. Coming up, uh, we didn't hit on this with John because we're, we're setting this aside for a, a, an interesting discussion on Baker Mayfield. He has a strong message for former teammates as now the Carolina Panthers quarterback gets set to take on the Cleveland Browns in week one. We discuss what Baker Mayfield had to say about facing his former team next and now kick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The NFL preseason, while... I, as soon as it kicks off, I can't wait for it to end. The viewing audience tunes into these games, especially if you're on a network on the weekend. CBS had Pittsburgh-Detroit Sunday afternoon. It was the final game of the preseason of 2022, Paul. Uh, 3.30 kickoff. It ran long. How do I know this? There's a CBS affiliate in town. If it runs long... It backs up everything for our Sunday night sports coverage uh, for a 30-minute show. I thought you were a big 60 Minutes fan. Oh, it backs up 60 minutes. 60 Minutes runs in full. So it starts in the full 60 Minutes, and then it backs up every other show. 
And uh, a 10-20 start moved to 11-02 for us due to preseason game number three with David Blau in at quarterback. Over 5 million people tuned in to watch this. That's more than any NBA game on Christmas Day. Just to put that in perspective, the big day of the regular season for the NBA is outranked by considerably the worst, you could say the worst preseason game, um, the third one, as teams are legitimately playing anyone. The, the Titans' offensive line at the end of the game was atrocious in front of uh, what, what they ended up leading a game-winning drive. But that offensive line was horrible. And they're, that's their product. And whatever reason, the football fans, I'm a, I'm a fan. I, I'm tuned in to watch certain players, and I realize Kenny Pickett's a big storyline, and the Steelers are across the country. They're going to tune in and watch. But, man, that, that is a big number for a awful game. 19-9 was the final score. I, I have zero interest in it. And certainly Imagine tuning zero in to watch Titans-Cardinals in the fourth quarter. Zero interest beyond the first 10 minutes or yeah. beyond the first series of the second quarter. But, <clears throat> look, I'm going to watch a ton of NFL football from September yes. through January. I, I, I don't have this thing where I've got to get a, a dose, a fix. I, I'm not addicted like people are to to crack or whatever where i've got to i gotta have some and well, I, a, i've lectured people about this football is back thing i don't know why no. you are so willing to let the nfl convince you that it's yeah. back college when it's football nothing is back like football. but it's it's not I, i'm a football fan i'm gonna uh, see what player or players have developed over the course of the last 12 months but as far as a game product overall it's a joke it's just Look at all the players available now that you were told it mattered. Oh, I loved watching weekend. them, though, man. It matters for Baker Mayfield against Cleveland. That's next.